Welcome to another episode of The Shannon Plan. This is episode 93, no longer DJ Jones, who plans on wrecking the 49ers. Those are his words, not mine. I am joined by Rob Guerrero because Akash is traveling the world, taking advantage of the summer. Rob, what's going on, man? What's up, KP? How you doing? Good. Uh, slow time, but you know, there's always something to talk about him. I feel like we have a couple good topics to talk about today. So let's start with the 49ers history. And that's a lot of what today is going to be about, but recent history. And then we're going to tie into um, some of their winning. But let's start with 2019 and 2020, because those two seasons couldn't have been more of the opposite. So you had one season where, and wrote about this on Niners Nation, it legit felt like a fairy tale season where everything went right. And when I say that, yes, there were injuries like, Joe Staley went down, uh, Mike McGlinchey went down. But in those few games, you had no idea. Like you, They were so good that even losing starting offensive tackles, you had no idea because they were just beating the pulp out of other teams. On defense, they were giving up next to nothing. And, and again, like Akella Weatherspoon went down, and he was a very good cornerback at the time. In comes a no-named undrafted free agent, Emmanuel Mosley, and the defense doesn't miss a beat. Why? Because there are good players everywhere and that is how you win in the nfl by having a bunch of good players we all know how that season ended let's flip the switch to the next season so when you make a super bowl run it takes a lot out of you and it drains you and the 49ers found not only that out but murphy's law happened where if there was an injury there was probably one or two more injuries and they just could never recover they were never healthy um it got to the point in that season where people are asking, is CJ Beathard really that bad? (laughs) When it gets to that point of the conversation, you know things are going wrong. So they bounce back and forth between Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. Uh, Some of the names that the 49ers trotted out during the 2020 season are no longer in the NFL. The 2020 season, as you know, was not a long time ago. So um, the likes of Deion Jordan rushing the pass, like that was who they were relying on to get sacks and of course they brought Kerry Hyder back but Kerry Hyder in 2022 is going to be probably like their fourth fifth sixth rusher as opposed to their top dogs like again that just kind of gives you an idea of where the 2020 version was so the question that I asked which season was a bigger anomaly was it the 2019 season where 49ers essentially just ran through everybody or the 2020 season where Still only had a negative 14-point differential, which is pretty amazing considering, you know, how little talent they had. Uh, and, again, the, again, there are plenty of answers. I didn't want to make this seem like a results-based question because the 49ers are fresh off an NFC championship. And knowing that, it's like, well, they just made another NFC championship, so it has to be 2020 where uh, you, you can make an argument. I will make an argument for both ways. Well, well what is your answer? What do you think here, Rob? I think the bigger anomaly is 2020. Although when you talk about 2019, you're right to point out all the things that went the 49ers way. I mean, they started 8-0. They won 10 out of their first 11 games. And the one game that they lost against Seattle, the backup kicker Chase McLaughlin missed a 40, I think it was like a 45-yarder that would have won the game for the 49ers. So even the game that they lost, they probably should have won. That Everything came up heads for the 49ers in that season. But I will say that the reason that they were so successful is because they're they had good players and those good players played well. Like it, 
it wasn't an anomaly that Nick Bosa was incredible. It wasn't an anomaly that Raheem Mostert was incredible. Like they're good players. That's what they do in 2020. Just the freakish level of injuries and cluster injuries at one or two positions. I've never seen anything like that in my entire time as a football fan. I think you had the stat in the article that they were what the second most injured team in terms of adjusted games lost in the last 20 years. Third most third. most, And that is insane to talk about. So not that's not a small sample size. That is a lot of seasons and a lot of data. And we're talking about so Nick Bosa and then five plays later, it was Solomon Thomas. Right. I believe that's yep. accurate. Um, and ironically, 2020, Javon Kinlaw and Jason Brett are healthy the, for the majority of the season. Whereas it seems like everybody else went down. Obviously, you lose your quarterback. Um, I, I think Kittle missed some time that year. So it was just like t- it seemed like every game they were battling a new um, they were battling a new injury. Just as you know, they were seemingly starting to turn the corner. But for 2020, I guess when, when you're talking about 2019, it was about as perfect as it gets. Like even in the playoffs, like they weren't really scoring points in the playoffs, but they didn't have to because offenses couldn't do anything against them. Um, everybody knows, you know, the Packers, they, they barely had to throw the ball because Mostert ran for a billion yards <laughs> like that. The, when I think of anomalies, that's what, you know, you're not going to be able to win like that in the playoffs again. You're not going to be able to beat the Packers with, by throwing the ball for, you know, um, less than double digits. You're not going to, and against the Vikings, essentially too, they, they got out to an early lead, but the offense really sputtered down the stretch there. Um, so in my head, 2019 is a bigger anomaly just because, 2021 and i know we haven't talked about this 2021 feels more realistic where you have a lot of luck involved you beat the packers but you didn't score (laughs) on offense man like how often is that gonna happen um you had one offensive touchdown i believe after the first quarter in uh, against dallas and you know we all saw the rams game It, (laughs) it just seems like i mean even going back to week 18 like they were down a ton 17 points people were sticking a fork in them and like thought the season was over and sure enough they came back and we just talked about the games that they had in the playoffs but like that was a lot of luck in itself in 2021 too so season ending injuries happen often and it does seem like i mean we have examples 49ers these last couple years where um i mean they've just lost so many people at critical positions where I, i actually don't think it's out of the question for something like that, and maybe not to that extreme, but uh, to lose that many players or, you know, just to have multiple season injury, ending injuries happen again in the near future. Because, again, it, it seems like it happens every freaking year with the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, in 2020, their their season got derailed not only because of the massive amount of injuries, but because the people that they had to replace them were people, like you said, that are out of the NFL just two years removed from that, you know, CJ, CJ Beathard, he's a tackling dummy back there. It was <laughs> awful. Um, and, and that's why they were so bad in 2020. Like they just had bad players that got forced into playing extended amounts of time. I think the fact that they made the championship game last year, though, makes me feel like 2019 wasn't as much of an anomaly, right? Because like the core of that team, a lot of those guys were still there in 2021. So it's like, oh, there they are again, back in the NFC championship game. So maybe 2020 was the anomaly. You know, you mentioned 2019. 
They beat the Packers in 2019 in the regular season, 37 to eight. How many times does that happen to Aaron Rodgers? 37 to eight, they beat him. That's absurd. That's how, like, you talk about things going right. I think it was a perfect mix of you had Jimmy Garoppolo back. You had an incredible running game, an incredible defense. The Shan- Mike McDaniel was still there. LaFleur was still there. You still had, like, the core of the Shanahan coaching staff together. The offense as a whole wasn't as prominent throughout the league, so defenses, I think, were less prepared for it. And so I think you had, like, a confluence of things come together. That team that team was a wrecking ball team, and I, I don't know. I, I think I might even take them over some of the hardball teams. In so for half of the season, in eight of their games, not counting the playoffs because it happened uh, once in the playoffs too, they scored over 30 points. And it wasn't like they were just teetering on the edge of 30. So 41, 51, 36, 37, 48, 34. Like they are blowing through these teams. And a lot of the times they're taking their foot off the gas. Like they could have scored more points in those games. Uh, Think about it, like Carolina, uh, when they dropped 51, it seemed like they pulled the starters midway through the third quarter. They scored 31 against the Browns, but all that came like early, and they just pretty much cruised control uh, for the rest of the game. They, I don't think they scored. They didn't score a touchdown in the fourth quarter of that game. I remember I, that was the first uh, primetime game I went to, and it's like, whoa, this is who we're talking about? Like These are the 49ers? That was the Breida game where he ran for like an 85-yard touchdown right out of the gate. Yeah, man, and, and that just tells you, like, they had explosive plays left and right that season. So you have explosive plays, you have the pass rush. That was what, you know, they, they had envisioned when they were bringing in D4, when they had drafted Nick Bosa. They wanted to, you know, essentially intimidate opposing offenses. So uh, everything about that season just felt too good to be true, I guess is the best way to put it. And that's why I feel like um, it, we just will never see a season like that again for a long, long time anyway. Think about, you know, that you mentioned the trade for Emmanuel Sanders. And then what happens against the Rams that year? The 49ers, you know, need a win. And what happens? Third and 17, Emmanuel Sanders. The second third and 17, I yeah. believe, in on that drive. And Emmanuel Sanders is wide open in the middle of the field. So open, by the way, that the announcer, I can't even remember who it was, has time to say before the ball comes down out of the sky, has time to say, Garoppolo has a man wide open down the middle of the field. Like that's how ridiculous it was that to convert two third and 17s on the same drive at the end of the game to win the game. Sometimes like you got to be lucky to get where the 49ers got that year. Luck is a huge part of it. And they got a lot of those plays during the season. And there's no doubt about it. And again, on the opposite side of the spectrum, 2020, there was no luck involved. There was no fortune involved. Everything that could go wrong probably did go wrong, but they learned a lot. And, you know, there were some guys that got playing time. We, uh, Brandon Ayuk got a chance to find out what it's like to be a number one receiver because he was essentially the only option. Debo Samuel's in and out of the lineup, if you guys remember. Uh, same with George Kittle. Uh, Kinlaw got to show flashes of what he could be. So they were able to play some younger players. But, again, you never want to have to go through that um, where you, you're just essentially restarting every week. But we talked about the NFC Championship, and that's where we're going to go next because the the NBA Finals, they're on deck. They're starting on Thursday, and a lot of you listening are probably rooting for the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to win, but the Warriors are dominant. Like, they are a franchise where 
And I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if you listen to Draymond Green, but Draymond Green has a podcast where he's he's playing, you know, the card where nobody believed in us. Nobody thought we'd be back. And uh, Draymond, nope, not true. Uh, you guys were just hurt. Like it was essentially the 2029ers where everybody on your team was hurt last year. So there was nothing really you can do. Um, they all came back this year. They're healthy. And six finals, six of the last eight years, Golden State has made the finals. Uh, Rob, I'll let you take it from here. So it just popped into my head. Like that is a stretch of dominance that should not go regardless of whether they win the finals or not. Like six of eight years in the finals is absolutely incredible. I think it's crazy to expect the team to go to six of eight Super Bowls. That's like a high bar. But I was thinking in terms of the Niners, could they get to six of the next eight NFC championship games? Is that a realistic goal for this team now they've made it to two out of the last three as we all know already so that means they'd have to make it to four out of the next five conference championship games to get to that six out of eight threshold um i know it's a tall bar but when i look at the overall strength of the nfc i don't think it's crazy out of the question so aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to play too much you would think too much longer right um i'm sure that yeah. he would like to po- go full tom brady and play 45 50. speaking of tom brady he's probably on his last leg at least in the nfc anyway if he does play another year you know he might join mike mcdaniel and company yep. who knows <laughs> but those are two of the better quarterbacks of the past you know decade at least and they are going to be out of the 49ers here so now we're looking at Matt Safford and the Rams, who probably aren't going anywhere anytime soon, but they have a lot to retool. Like they lost a lot of talent. Aaron mm-hmm. Donald's already contemplating retirement. He, we don't even know if he's going to play this year. If the Rams don't have Aaron Donald, completely different team. He 100%. is unquestionably the best player in the NFL. He does not lose on one on ones. So that <laughs> is a giant win for the 49ers if he were to go, um, if he were to retire. And you just keep going down the line from there and you're looking at teams like who stands in the way of the 49ers and it's really themselves because they're the team that shoots themselves in the foot they're the team that has a tendency to play down to a competition of course we've seen them at their high we've seen them when they have all cylinders clicking they look very unstoppable they look like a team that is to be reckoned with but um you could make the argument but it all comes back to trey like if trey is that guy this this isn't out of the question if he is going to be up and down, if he's going to be a roller coaster, if he's going to be inconsistent. Um, and, and it's probably not fair to, to place it all on Trey just because, I mean, we, who knows what, what to expect from the offensive line. Who knows if the defense is able to stay healthy. So there are a couple of other questions that goes without saying. But I think it's a lot more plausible than people would expect. Just because on the surface, when you say six of eight, you're talking about essentially a dynasty. And I know dynasty is – you know, reserved for those of the teams that, you know, actually win, <laughs> which the 49ers, it would be lovely if they did pull out a championship one of these years. But um, that type of dominance to the Warriors level isn't out of the question. So I started to dig into the history, just looking back, like, OK, let's see how often does this happen? How crazy is this idea? I started with the AFC. First of all, the Chiefs have been to the last four AFC title games. So they're four in a row. They could easily make it, you know, six out of eight. Um, the Patriots, the Patriots are so absurd. Not only did they make eight straight AFC championship games from 2011 to 2018, eight straight, but they also made five out of seven from 2001 to 2007. So if you combine those, 
That is 13 of 18 AFC championship games. That is so ridiculous. That is utterly ridiculous. Sounds like you made that up, honestly. Like I don't even know if I could do that in my Madden franchise. That's how pathetic. Uh, it's also happened two other times in the AFC. The Steelers in the 70s made six of eight. And actually the Raiders also in the 70s made six of eight AFC championship games. So that's that's for the AFC. In the NFC, it's a little different. So the 49ers made the NFC title game. They made it nine out of 14 years. Now, they never made it six out of eight in that window, but nine out of 14 is pretty damn good. It's tough to get better than that, man. Nine out of 14. Um, okay. So where do we want to take this? How about what would Kyle Shanahan's legacy look like if they were to accomplish this? Let's say he does get one championship out of this, which I'm sure people would look at him as a failure just because you, if you go there so often, you have to win more than one. But I don't know that that's necessarily true just because – like other coaches, um, like Mike Tomlin comes to mind. He's been above 500 all this time, and he has a ring from way, way back when, and he's still looked at as one of the greatest of all time. And you could go down the list of a couple other coaches like that as well. But as far as Shanahan goes, um, he's came up short, but he's also still very, very young. Like this guy just, you know, he's a couple years old. I think he's 41. Um, so he has a lot of coaching left. Who knows how long he wants to be around for. I imagine the more successful or, I guess, the more the closer he gets to it, uh, he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. What do you think a run like this would mean for Shanahan's legacy? Well, that's really hard to say because I totally agree with you. It depends on how many he wins. And just look at the different look at Andy Reid, right? I mean, before he went to the Chiefs, he got to four straight NFC championship games with the Eagles in 2001 to 2004. They didn't win the Super Bowl, obviously. And people were like, hey, he's a really good coach. Then he goes to Kansas City. He starts making the playoffs every single season, starts making Alex Smith play better than Alex Smith has ever played. Then all of a sudden he gets a, a great quarterback. He wins a championship. And now Andy Reid is getting, you know, people probably put him in the top three of coaches in the league and rightfully so, but he's got to get that championship and right or wrong. Kyle Shanahan gets blamed for both his Super Bowl losses, even though, the defense in Atlanta blew a 28 to three lead. Somehow the offensive coordinator gets all of the bl people don't even know who the Falcons defensive coordinator was that year. That's how like it, much Kyle Shanahan gets the blame for that, but he does get the blame. So his legacy is kind of dinged in that. So they've got to win one and probably more for him to get kind of the love that I think you're talking about. So, Andy Reid leveled up from the Donovan McNabbs and the Alex Smiths yep. to the Patrick Mahomes. Kyle Shanahan, he's had Matt Ryan, very good quarterback. He's had Jimmy Garoppolo, would not say very good, but competent <laughs> quarterback. But it's clear that he hasn't had a guy who's been good enough to put him over the top. Trey Lance, I'm not saying that he has to be Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl, but you have to be – borderline elite you have to be top five you have to possess tools that other quarterbacks do not possess josh allen justin herbert um like these guys who have rocket arms who can just create outside of the structure who can do things that other quarterbacks cannot the hope is trey lance does that but that is so much pressure to put on a kid 21 first year starting but at the same time Nobody's going to feel sorry for him when he goes on the field. Like nobody's going to say, hey, you're first year starter. You shouldn't be making those mistakes. Nope. 
you're on the field, you have to perform. And again, fair or not, that's just how the NFL works. Would you, if I told you that Trey Lance was going to be Donovan McNabb from those Eagles teams with Andy Reid, would you take that right now? Or would you roll the dice and say, no, I think he could have a higher ceiling? Because I think people kind of sleep. McNabb, some of the plays McNabb made with those Eagles teams were pretty damn impressive. It's um, it's great just because when I was watching him, when he was drafted, I went back and watched 1998 Syracuse, and they oh, were the man. same player to me. Yeah, he Donovan McNabb in the 90s was very agile. Like he could move a lot better than people think. And people just think they remember, you know, the Washington's version where he's just bigger and he was injured and he couldn't move. But McNabb was a hell of an athlete out of college. And he rushed for, I believe, over 600 yards as a rookie. So he has like that type of mobility. I would take McNabb in a heartbeat. So if you're telling me, did the 49ers just just draft? Um, if, first of all, I feel like didn't Donovan McNabb go very high in the draft? Uh, that's another question. But yeah, he was the second overall pick. Yeah. So like we're talking about essentially the same type of player here. Yep. Uh, who the 49ers are hoping to get as a rookie, Donovan McNabb. Um, sorry. In his second season, technically second season, 11 and five, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Um, he ran for, I believe he ran for 600 yards, over 3000 yards throwing. I'm taking that as a first year starter all day, knowing that Kyle Shanahan's offense, uh, he's going to be throwing to a lot better weapons than uh, Donovan McNabb have. I don't know if people remember, um, he's not throwing to Todd Pinkston <laughs> out there. Todd so. Stinkston? right um man i I would take mcnab in a heartbeat just knowing that i have somebody who can throw the ball all over the place who can create when the play breaks down like who can use his legs and who just gives me that that extra oomph to my offense you know he can make us go we can throw the ball down the field we have those explosive plays and the play's never dead so um i would take mcnab in a heartbeat would you I think I would. I mean, some of his numbers, when you look back on his numbers now, they look a little lower than like what we've seen from quarterbacks. But don't forget, this is early 2000s. It was a different game. McNabb was second in the MVP voting his second year in the league. He made five straight Pro Bowls. Like you talked about the rushing numbers. You know, he's six touchdown rushing touchdowns his second year. Six over 600 yards. Like that's that's moving the offense. That is doing things. If you, if you take those numbers and you scale them to 2021, 2022 numbers, you're going to be amazed at what Trey Lance puts up. Those would be numbers that no 49ers quarterback has reached in a decade. The last 49ers quarterback to put up 30 or more total touchdowns was Jeff Garcia, I think in 2002 or 2001. So like we have not seen that level of quarterback play here for a really, really long time. How could you not take that if given the chance? Think about the offense that the 49ers are running too. Like it's tailor-made for a quarterback. You are throwing to wide open receivers. You are throwing to guys who are fast, who are going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. You just have to get rid of the ball. You have to hit them in stride. And that's your job. Just don't make a mistake essentially, which sounds very dumbed down. And I don't want to take – I. So you wrote about Chris Sims and his take on Jimmy Garoppolo. And I actually like the fact that Chris Sims pointed out some of the positives that Jimmy does. I think that he is good in the pocket. I think that the ability to throw with your feet, not underneath your, with your feet, not pointed directly as Jimmy's getting his head knocked off, because let's face it, there were times where the 49ers, their interior line made a mistake, didn't block somebody. And Jimmy had to stand tall in the pocket and deliver a throw. And there were times that he did that. And I'm glad that Chris Sims acknowledged that. If 
Trey Lance is able to do anything like that, four dads are good hands, man. Um, oh, they're, they're, <laughs> I don't want to put all this like pressure on him. I don't want to say like he has this super uber high ceiling, but they took him number three overall, and he has to be that good. And for the 49ers to, you know, tying it all back in, if the 49ers are really going to go on this run featuring, you know, multiple championships or the fact that we're talking about if they can make, you know, this many NFC championships to begin with tells you the strength of their roster. Or maybe it t- maybe it says more about the lack of the, the talent in the NFC, but I just think, you know, both things are probably true here. Right. I just think the 49ers are a little spoiled. 49ers fans are spoiled, but you know, the roster is intact. So the t- it's there for the taking. In order to, to do something like this, you need both. You need a really good team. You need a really good coach. And you also need a weaker conference. That absolutely helps. Go back and look at, s- at some of the teams. Those Patriot teams are beating in the playoffs. They were oh. not always beating oh. world beaters. That's all. It all goes into the stew when you're trying to figure this out. By the way, I should mention, because I, I feel compelled to do it, even though I, this is a Niners podcast. The Cowboys did make 10 of the first 13 NFC Championship games, which is absurd. Right. Now They've only made four since then. But that is still an incredible thing for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think that the Niners can do it. Like all the stuff you talked about with Trey, he he does have the arm talent, I think, to make those kind of off-platform throws where his feet aren't necessarily set. I think his arm is strong enough to do that. Jimmy does it, like you said, but he doesn't have the power in his arm to be able to make all the throws in that scenario. Like Jimmy can do it for a 10-yard throw or a 5-yard throw, but if we're talking 15 or 20 yards, that Trey has the kind of arm to be able to do that. And that's probably what they're missing. And when I say probably, it is what they're missing just because <laughs> – their offense gets so congested in the playoffs or against the better teams because they're just going to put everybody in the middle. They're going to take away the running game. They're going to take away your play-action passes over the middle and force you to beat them outside of the numbers. And Sims actually touched on this a little bit too, where with Trey Lance, there's going to be space because they're going to be able to use the entire field. You can no longer sit on these routes over the middle because he can just throw 15, 10, 12 yard routes outside of the numbers. That is huge. And I don't think people understand how big of a deal that is. Also be able to use not just those routes outside the numbers, but now instead of throwing seven, eight, nine, 10 yard routes over the middle, now you can use all levels. So now you're throwing down the scene. Now you're throwing at the intermediate level. And with that just creates more space for the running backs underneath. So like the trickle down effect with Trey Lance even again, he doesn't have to be this 30 touchdown guy for the offense to be successful. But I think that there's a realistic chance that he he reaches those numbers. That would be uh, I that would be so much fun. I don't think people realize how much fun that would be to watch. One thing I'm looking forward to too, just like especially in a situation where it's like third and four, third and five, maybe just a back shoulder throw outside the numbers. That like Josh Allen does that all the time. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. It's like it's always there in their pocket when they need it. And I feel like that has not been a part of the 49ers offense. I can honestly remember like maybe one or two back shoulder throws that Jimmy Garoppolo made in his entire tenure with the Niners. I just want to see that available to the 49ers in a tight spot, probably with Ayuk, I assume, because he seems to have worked with Trey more than any other receiver. Like, hey, we really need a first down. Got to have it here. Bam, man coverage, back shoulder throw, pitch and catch. Like, give me more of that, please. Don't always put it on Kyle to have to call the perfect play. 
Yeah, and, and that's a good point just as far as the quarterback has to bail out the play caller every now and then, and that wasn't the case with Jimmy Garoppolo. You mentioned the back shoulder fades. So just fades in general, just one, two, three, throw the ball down the field just to loosen up the defense, knowing that if you lose a down, I'm cool with that because I trust the quarterback to get us on the right track on these next couple of downs. It's evident that Kyle Shannon didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to do that early on early downs because he knew, if, hey, if we fall behind the chains, we're screwed because we're not going to be able to create or convert on third and long. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, week 18, they did throw a fade and he did catch the ball against the Bengals. I remember a, a back shoulder fade to Juwan Jennings. That was critical. Um, mm-hmm. That was fourth, fourth quarter. That's it. That's all I got as far yep. as one, two, three throw for this last season. Uh, I think Debo had one against the Jets. But that was in 2020, and that game doesn't count because that was the MetLife game where everybody went down. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just few and far between, and you can probably count the examples on one hand. I think that it's going to be a situation where the Niners are better later in the season. I think there's going to be some spots early in the year where Kyle helps Trey out just because Trey's not going to really know totally what he's seeing. But then by the end of the year, I think Trey is going to have his bearings a little bit. I think there's going to be points when, like you said, when it gets tougher, when the defenses start to anticipate more what you're doing, where he just flat out makes a play. And that's what you need. I was rewatching that Cowboys game and there was a it was second and 20 Cowboys completed a pass and then they got a penalty and it was second and 25 and Dak throws a ball. And he gets like 22 of the 25 yards because he just makes an incredible throw down the middle. That is a hopeless possession. But because Dak is so good and so talented, he can make a play that gave the Cowboys a chance to convert on third down. If the 49ers had even first and 15, second and 15, it felt hopeless to me last year. Hopefully now with Trey, you've got a guy that gives you hope in those situations that can overcome adversity. Like that, and that's what it's going to be about, man. Every situation you're going to walk into is not going to be perfect. Every situation you're going to walk into, like Kyle Shannon can call a play, and the defense might know it's coming. You're still going to have to perform. And for whatever reason, that was well, there were plenty of reasons, but uh, they were just never, never, never able to get over that hill. And even in the Super Bowl, man, everybody points to um, the fourth quarter, but there were like five plays before that in the first half where. The offense just left on the field, and you can't get away with that at the highest level. And as close as the 49ers got, even in the Rams game last year, um, they were never able to get over that hump. And a lot of it is tied back to the quarterback. Six of eight. It could happen. I'm I'm convinced it could happen. I've been saying that they could be on the precipice here of a a stretch of just incredible prosperity, especially because – even though the coaching staff is going to change and and the Niners have seen a ton of that this year, David Lombardi actually just had a good note in uh, his latest article for the athletic. The Niners have hired nine new assistant coaches and assigned 14 new head coaching titles this season, which is a big deal. But as long as Kyle is here, there's going to be an element of stability to the system, especially for a young quarterback that is crucial in your development. And that is a massive, massive key. If you're going to make this kind of extended five, six, seven year run. Yeah. Stability is huge, man. And you want to know what you're getting. And, and that again, ties into the health because it can't have another 2020 season where you lose your best player on defense. If the 49ers have a season where Nick Bosa is not on the field, they are not making the NFC championship. I just want, I hate to play spoiler, 
but um, he is that good where he just makes everybody around him that much better and he, everybody else kind of slots into their role. So they're going to have to fight the injury bug. Uh, Trey doesn't have to be a world beater. He doesn't have to be turned into Thor, but he has to be good enough and he has to be better than good enough, better than, than his opposition. So when we're talking about these playoff games, how many playoff games did you feel like Jimmy outgunned his opposition? Can you None. point to any? Exactly right. No, that, I don't even have to look at the games. This, no. <laughs> that can't happen if the 49ers are going to make this run. So Trey's going to have to take that next step that doesn't have to be in September. doesn't have to be in November. When it comes to the playoffs, he has to outperform the quarterback on the other side. And it's pretty much it's that simple. They have the cornerbacks to compete. They have the pass rush. Um, Brandon Ayuk's going to probably have to take another step. But again, it, it – in a, in a league that's quarterback driven, it all comes back to Trey. I will never get over. I, I just look at Josh Allen. Look at Josh Allen last year in the playoffs against the Chiefs in the divisional round. He was 27 of 37 for 329 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 136 quarterback rating, a 90 QBR. He carried the ball 11 times for 68 yards. They and put all up those mattered. Those carries mattered too. They put up 36 points and still lost. That's because they were facing Patrick Mahomes on the other side. And when you got a dude on the other side, you need a quarterback that can go God mode. And even then it might not be enough. You can't depend on your defense to bail you out like the 49ers defense has in the playoffs in their two extended runs. Eventually it comes back to quarterback. They haven't had the guy up until this point, And we all are hoping that they finally have that guy now. And we'll see. Like, we'll wait and see because uh, it was a great point about Josh Allen. You can play at an extremely high level and still not be able to get it done. And if if that does happen, there's a realistic chance that Trey Lance has a great game and the 49ers still lose and people are still going to place the blame on him. Yes, they which, are. Oh, boy. Cannot wait for that one. <laughs> Who cares? <sighs> Jimmy won. Jimmy didn't put up. It wasn't all about stats. You just you could see the arguments coming. Yeah, because you know over three hundred yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game is actually bad. But <laughs> um, I I think we're good here, man. Just because we could just keep going down rabbit holes. It it's going to be fun to see it all play out because you can see scenarios where the 49ers do go on runs and they look like. Holy cow, Shanahan does know what he's doing. He, he drafted the right quarterback. They do have a system in place that is sustainable for success. It seems like that is the case. They just need to implement a quarterback who can take them to another level. Is that Trey? Dot, dot, dot. And we we don't know. We don't do good with this, but we don't know. There's We have to just wait and find out. We are less than 100 days before the start of the football season. I love when that comes out. I get irrationally excited for that. I see it. It's like, Oh my God, a hundred days away. It's over three months, but I'm still like super pumped up. We're less than a hundred days, baby. Let's go. We got training camp coming up. We got OTAs happening. Now the mandatory mini camp is coming up. Let's go, man. It'll be fun, but uh, that'll do it for us. We will obviously keep you updated on everything. Trey Lance uh, OTAs are on Wednesday, so we might have some clips. Uh, D'Amico Ryan is going to speak, I believe, on Wednesday. So uh, we'll have some information for you on NinersNation.com. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Follow Rob at Stats on Fire. As always, 
Go Niners.